Leg drag takedown. How about that? That was a leg drag takedown. A legend in South America, a legendary proportion. Wasn't sure what that word was. Garment. You said a garment. Garment. Woman, I thank you very much. Maybe the Nacho Man. Oh, no. I'm the rooster and I'm gonna poo. Straight OG brother, is that what you're saying? I don't mind dragging a dead dead meat harder to the ring. You're the jungle, baby! I have extra money tonight in case we run a little short. Well, let me in a, a humble moment give you a capsule synopsis. The whistle's gonna get the clothes on. On hand me, woman. Look at the damage it does to the big fat beast well in the ring. <laughs> Hello, my Nitro Maniacs, and welcome to another episode of the Nitro Mania Podcast. My name is Adam, I'm your host, and this is the show where I know who the third man is, but I'll never tell. This is the 42nd episode of Nitro Mania, meaning this episode is obviously the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. What else do you need to know? It is Monday, July 1st, 1996, and we are six days away from Bash at the Beach, meaning later on in the show, I will tell you who will be joining me next week for our big Bash at the Beach supersode. This week, however, we are live from Landover, Maryland. This is the U.S. Air Arena, which was opened in 1973 as the Capitol Center. U.S. Air bought the naming rights in 1993. In 1996, U.S. Air became Came U.S. Airways, and the name change was also reflected on the arena itself. In 1997, that deal came to an end, and the building went back to being called the Capitol Center, or the CAP, until its closure in 1999. The building was ultimately demolished in 2002. The only other televised event held here, at least during its time as U.S. Air Arena, was the 1995 Survivor Series, featuring The Undertaker coming to the ring with Henry O. Godwin, Fatu, and Savio Vega on his team, but eliminating Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Isaac Yankum DDS, and Jerry Lawler by himself, and then King Mabel got himself counted out. Thanks for coming, other guys. That event also featured the main event of Bret Hart taking the WWF title off of Diesel in a no-holds-barred match. Anyway, back to Nitro. Tony welcomes us three times to the show, and we get Pyro, Pyro, and Pyro. Tony and Larry are back at ringside, so I guess Bischoff is back tonight. Tony says we're all looking towards Bash at the Beach on Sunday, and then they're interrupted by DDP, who says that the Lord of the Ring ring has been stolen. Thanks to modern technology via satellite communication, the world is becoming a small place. There will be a new world. What? 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 I'm talking here. Security in this building. What are you talking? Do you see a ring on my finger, Shivani? No, I don't see a ring on you your finger. You know why? Why? Because the Lord of the Rings ring has been stolen. I want this entire place closed. I want the whole building secured, and I want everyone strip searched. Well, I'm sorry, and I apologize, but we don't have your ring, and we've got a show to do here. Hey, the bottom line is, Legend, you know this, they're jealous. Everyone's jealous. They know they can't beat me. Well, when they can't beat you, they're going to take the ring. So they're going to steal it. 
I'm getting in a bunk. You got it, Giovanni. You know who's got it? Do you no, know who's I got it? I don't know who has it. For crying out would you let us do our television program? Tony then sends us to the bizarre finish of last week's episode. There is a rumor that, quote unquote, these two men are here tonight. Will we find out who the third man is tonight? Larry then drops the phrase, New World Order. Hmm. Interesting. It could be a good name for a stable. Tony promises Eric's return as telegraphed by their return to ringside. Your opening contest this evening is a match for the tag team titles. The Steiner brothers taking on Harlem Heat. Booker enters on the phone again. Rude. Booker starts with Scott and just starts throwing him around. Booker gets clotheslined over the top and no one mentions a disqualification. Also, there are security guards posted all over ringside. In that corner where Booker and Stevie were convening as we went to break, there were at least three. We come back from break and the horsemen are in the VIP area. In the ring, Rick, Steiner, and Stevie Ray are going at it. An impressive German by Rick gets a zero count because he was right in Harlem Heat's corner. Tony tells us the world will change this Sunday, and Larry drops a second New World Order in there. Booker then runs into another overhead belly-to-belly suplex by Scott. Then Colonel Rob Parker shows up. A sloppy clothesline by Rick. Parker has his wallet out for some reason. He grunts something into the camera, but fuck if I could understand what he said. Belly-to-belly off the second rope on Booker by Rick gets a two-count. A powerbomb by Scott gets a two on Booker. A mafia kick by Booker, according to Tony. Hot tag, and Rick cleans house. Scott hits a Frankensteiner on Booker, but isn't the legal man, so he can't pin him. Bulldog from Rick off the top, and Nick Patrick is distracted by nothing. Really? Nothing happened there. Colonel Parker then costs the Steiners the title by stopping Rick from hitting that doomsday bulldog with some cane shots to the back and the head. We go to Gene. Pull up your socks and get ready. Who is in the VIP area with the horsemen. Later tonight, there will be an eight-man tag, but they don't say who the horsemen will be facing. Based on what Gene's saying, it's going to be Joe Gomez the Renegade, and the Rock and Roll Express. Fuck that noise. Deborah then drones something about Mongo being in great shape and making more money than he ever made in the NFL. Elizabeth says something. Woman comments to Elizabeth that they need to take more money from the Macho Man to hire a full-time driver. Anderson says they are the Supreme Court in professional wrestling. Benoit says he's silent but violent. And Mongo says this dumb thing. Oh, my friend, everybody says, how could you do it, Ric Flair? Well, let me tell you, brother, I played for CDR in Chicago. And just like Deborah said, my friend, money makes the monkey dance. All right, uh, I don't know if I want to talk about the monkey or the grinder, but... Flair then yells whatever floats across the speech centers of his brain. We get a Glacier promo, July 1996, brings us back from break, and welcome Disco Inferno. Same thing as two weeks ago. Cut the music, do you want to see me dance, then I'll dance, hit my music, and the other person's music plays while Disco looks upset. Disco is taking on Kurosawa tonight. Remember him? They lock up and an arm ringer on Disco. They reverse back and forth, and Disco hits the ropes for the break. Another arm ringer, and Kurosawa just kicks Disco in the face. Disco gets frustrated, exits the ring, kicks the steps, and hops around because he hurt his foot. Comedy. Back in the ring, Kurosawa hits some kind of clutch backdrop maneuver, and Disco's music starts again. Kurosawa stares at the entrance, and some fat ass in an Elvis jumpsuit appears. The Disco ball comes back down, and Disco very weakly hits Kurosawa in the back with it for the three count. That 
looked shitty as fuck. Back from break and enter Scotty Riggs. He is taking on DDP, who is still searching for his ring. Same DDP theme song as last week, but we can hear the commentators this week, so I really don't know what the hell is going on there. Sadly, we then get a promo from Jim Duggan. Do we have to? Yes. DDP very aggressive here tonight. He really wants to find whoever stole his ring. Maybe it was the third man. Nice pump handle backbreaker by Page, and he screams about his ring again, goes for another, but waits a bit too long, and Riggs turns it into a schoolboy that DDP kicks out of. Diamond Cutter gets the win for DDP once again. He then searches Riggs for the ring. Gene is with DDP in the aisle. Gene says he thinks he knows where the ring is. Page says everyone is jealous of him. DDP isn't concerned about the match on Sunday because he'll just hit the Diamond Cutter. He only cares about his ring. Gene doesn't have it, and now he doesn't know where it is. Make up your fucking mind, Gino. We come back from break for our, you fucking kidding me? It's Greg the Hammer Valentine. Greg is taking on Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. On his way to the ring, Randy takes a moment to throw fake fruit around at the VIP table. Total combined age at this time in 1996, 87 years. Valentine is 10 months older than Savage. Did not know that. Macho's face is painted to match his tights. Tony tells us he has butterflies about the main event at Bash at the Beach. Tony then subtly hints that Valentine may be the third man, then outright asks if Valentine is the third man. Greg Valentine hasn't competed on WWF television since the 1994 Royal Rumble, two and a half years, almost to the day, before this episode of Nitro. I don't think he's the guy, Tony. The dynamite appears and Macho goes for the elbow, but Valentine hits him with an elbow on the way down. Valentine hits a back suplex, which he sells more than Savage does, and Savage pins Valentine just as hour two begins. Needless Pyro and Heenan is with Bischoff at the desk. We go immediately to break. Bischoff starts off Hour 2 by thanking everyone for the overwhelming support as the crowd chants Weasel. He then says he wants to speak directly to the Outsiders. I also have something I'd like to say to the Outsiders, especially you, Nash. I don't know what you were thinking. What are you, 7 foot tall, 350 pounds? Who are you trying to impress? Because let me tell you something. I hope you impress somebody. You didn't scare anybody. Sting isn't afraid of you. Lex Luger isn't afraid of you, and I know the macho man Randy Savage isn't afraid of you. And I got something else I want to tell you. We're all going to be there on July 7th, this Sunday, and I can't tell you how much I look forward to it. Just remember, you didn't scare anybody. And now, Brain, we got a lot of action coming up. That was kind of strange, honestly. Bischoff tries to talk about the horseman, but Bobby says he's still worried about what might happen. The crowd begins to get noisy, and Bobby notices some motion in the crowd. Hall and Nash come down through the people with Cokes and popcorn and take their front row seats that they have tickets for. They offer the security guards popcorn, and we go back to the desk. Bobby is not happy, and Eric sends us to another break. 
same Glacier promo. It is July, by the way, so shouldn't that say, like, soon or something? Anyway, enter John Tenta. Still no music. He is facing the giant again. The bell rings and giant hits a headbutt, then a chop, then another. No selling. Tenta offense in between. Then Tenta goes on the offensive, surprisingly knocking giant into the corner, whipping him across. A big splash, an Irish whip across again, but the giant hits a big clothesline on the return. Tenta in the corner gets choked with the boot. Giant body slams Tenta, headbutts him in the dick, lays some boots in, then hits some shoulders in the corner. More choking with the boot, more chops. An elbow to the back of the neck puts Tenta down. Giant picks him up and puts him back in the corner and squishes him with his ass. Boots to the gut in the corner and Tenta goes after the eyes. This makes the Giant mad. Giant charges in but gets a boot to the face. Tenta finally knocks the Giant off his feet with a drop kick and then beats up Jimmy Hart. Then Sullivan runs out and Tenta grabs him. This allows the Giant to kick Tenta in the back and choke slam him for the victory. Bubba then shaves Tenta's beard. Well, half of it, but leaves the mustache. Interesting choice. Gene is in the aisle. Thankfully, on Sunday, we'll also get a silver dollar match between Tenta and Bubba. Silver dollars on a pole. Wonderful. They all just yell stuff. Giant basically admits that in the team of himself and the Taskmaster, he's the weak link. Right. Okay. And we go to break. This Saturday night, the American Males versus the Rock and Roll Express, DDP in singles action, Rey Mysterio Jr., Chris Benoit, Sting, Macho, and Luger in six-man action. Speaking of Mysterio, then we then get a clip fest for Mysterio set to his theme song. This is all him versus Dean Malenko. Bischoff starts yelling to stop the tape. Nash and Hall somehow have microphones now. Great security. Team WCW appears and Nash calls them clowns because they're wearing face paint. Much of the rest of the locker room appears, according to Heenan anyways. Then we get to see them. They stand off, and the outsiders get escorted from the building. Everyone then just stands around doing nothing for a bit, and we go to break. Back with Gene in the locker room. He's, well, fuck. (sighs) It's Jim Duggan. Welcome back, everybody, to WCW Monday Nitro. We are live. We're just outside of Washington, D.C., in Landover, Maryland. The number one wrestling television program in all of cable. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, wait come on in if you would. Please, please, yes. Excuse me for interrupting you, but oh, Hacksaw, I just went back to the toilet to relieve myself. I'm looking down on the ground, and lo and behold, look what I whoa, found. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's that, that king of the ring. I understand DDP is out here whining and crying that somebody stole his ring. Obviously, you can tell that I wouldn't steal his ring because I wear a man-sized ring. You not found that in the men's room? Well, yes, I dropped it there. You know, he thought somebody stole it. Stole it? Who would want this little feminine piece of metal wrapped around their finger? Not Hacksaw Jim Bud Duggan, but being the ex-boy scout that I am, I come here to Eugene to show you that I'll bring this back. I'll give it to DDP if he wants it. All right, let me point out for the record, this coming Sunday night live from Daytona, exclusively on pay-per-view. If found it in the men's room. Well, I would write back to You're going to be facing... Go ahead. Me. I'm going to be fair, right? I'm going to be facing big old DDP at Bash at the Beach at a tape fist match. Sometimes makes me wonder if this ring's a little too tight around his finger. You're not thinking right, Paige. You're getting the ring with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Not that I'm no great technical hey, wrist. Wait a minute. Get him out of here. Thief. Thief. I told you someone stole it. You thief. You can't beat me for the ring. Hey. You had to steal hey. it. Who do you think you're talking to? You don't call me a thief. You don't call me a liar. You don't call me a cheat. I don't want to get in 
want to take this back. You take this thing you back if you want. I like to give it back to you. Hey, not in here. Save it for Sunday night. Take a walk, baby. Look at there. Diamond Dallas down on the floor, picking it up. Oh, respect Oh, no! You gotta be kidding me! Tough guy! Stop it! I want that ring anyway! Totally awful! I don't know how this thing got this far out of whack here, but Hacksaw Jim Duggan has just leveled Diamond Dallas Page. He nailed him with a tape fist. That's gonna be part of the action at the Bash at the Beach. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to, everybody needs security in this place tonight. Right now, let's get you back inside the U.S. Air Arena. That was fucking awful. I had to listen to it, so you did too. You're welcome. Also, Gene sends us back inside the arena. So where the fuck is that locker room? Main event time. What a shitty main event. The Rock and Roll Express, Joe Gomez, and the Renegade. Honest to God, versus all four horsemen. There is no way I'm going to be able to keep up with this, nor do I really want to, but I can tell you this. Benoit's chops are fucking vicious. Joe Gomez is the shits. And the horsemen won. There you go. Gene is then in the aisle with everyone. They each cut their one-liners about the pay-per-view. Apparently, apparently Flair is facing Conan for the U.S. title. When the fuck did that happen? Uh, it gets awkward, and we go to break. That's right, break. After the main event. We're back at the desk. Bischoff says that Sunday it's time to put up or shut up. Heenan is surprised at how the locker room has come together. Bobby is still begging to know who the third man is. Bischoff says there has to be a reason why we haven't found out yet. Bischoff says something's going on backstage. Somehow, 45 minutes later, they're still escorting Hall and Nash out of the building. They somehow cram themselves into a Corvette convertible and drive off as we go off the air. This episode was better than last week's, I'd say, even though the main event was fucking pointless and none of the matches were that great. I don't know why they felt the need to do the DDP stolen ring gimmick unless they really, really wanted Jim Duggan to say the word toilet on air 35 times in the span of three minutes. But we got the return of Bischoff. I enjoyed the bit with Hall and Nash in the front row. Bischoff actually named one of them for the first time. Maybe it's because we got more Hall and Nash this week than we did last week, where it was just a couple of minutes at the end. But it, it felt more cohesive, you know, as a story. And I enjoyed the standoff bit, even if it didn't lead to anything. I don't know. It's subjective. Anyway, Cage Match agrees with me. This week has a 5.0 out of 10, and the show pulled down a 3.3 TV rating. Now, before we get to Raw, for the second week in a row, we do have some business to attend to. This episode of Nitro is the last appearance of Kurosawa on this program. Uh, Kurosawa would make a few more TV appearances on WCW Worldwide on Saturday night on Main Event, but this was his last Nitro or pay-per-view appearance. This is, for me, a slightly harder choice than that of uh, Schmuckwork Bobby Walker last week, but I don't think... Kurosawa did enough in the spectrum of this show to earn a spot in the rafters. Uh, he had that the he was like U.S. title I think back at the very beginning, but that was it really. Um, so unfortunately, so long, Kurosawa. It was nice to know you. Okay, with that out of the way, let's switch over to the USA Network and see what the WWF has for us this week. We are one week old from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and this is episode 166 of Monday Night Raw. Shawn Michaels pins Marty Jannetty, surprise. On Superstars, Sonny made Phineas Godwin look like a moron. 
not hard. Mankind defeats Duke the Dumpster Drossy, then puts the mandible claw on Jake the Snake Roberts at commentary. Jim Ross tells us to call the Superstar line to find out why the Ultimate Warrior is in the WWF doghouse, as if you have to guess. And in your main event, Goldust pins Mark Merrow. Three matches. Interesting. 4.33 is the rating on Cage Match, with a TV rating of 2.6. And that is it for July 1st. Next week is our big Bash at the Beach Super Soda, and I bet you're wondering who will be joining me for that. Well, you know what? If the Outsiders can have a secret partner, then... So can I. Besides, everyone knows who their secret partner was, so we have to have some kind of suspense going into next week's episode, right? I mean, come on. So, if you want to see me live and in person, come on out to Liberty States Wrestling Presents Respect, our season finale, this Saturday in Peabody, Massachusetts. One week after that, it is Lucky Pro Wrestling Presents Toy Town Showdown at the YMCA in Winchenden, Massachusetts. And the week after that, APW at the Newbury Elks Lodge in Newbury, Massachusetts. I have a very busy month of May and June. Please check out all the shows on the Questionable Endeavor Network at questandnetwork.com. All kinds of great shows over there, including this this one right here. Oh, Pedro loves tuning Japanese. What say you, my friend, Menchi? And I guess I'm here too. If you're looking for wacky reviews of anime, check out Tuning Japanese, a podcast for three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Only on the Questionable Endeavor Network. Do they drink too? Not a little bit. I do. Now, all of us here on the Rundown Feed do this because we enjoy entertaining you, our fans. We do this for the listeners, and we do it at a financial loss to us. If you want to help us negate that loss, we would be very grateful to you for doing so. You can make a one-time donation by going to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling, or you can become a monthly donor by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. $5 a month gets you early access to our pre-taped shows, plus patron-only exclusive bonus episodes. For $10 a month, you get all that, plus the ability to co-host a show on the network, whichever show you want, except for the sit-down, whenever you want. So please consider donating. All that money goes directly back into the show, uh, and we really, really do appreciate it. And that is it. That does it for episode 42. Come on back next week for our big, huge bash at the beach, Super So. Who is the Outsiders' third man? Why isn't the WCW title on the line at a pay-per-view? Why is Ric Flair fighting for the U.S. title? The answers to these questions, hopefully, probably not, and much, much more next time on Nitro Man.